in week number two of this real life horror story. Last week we said this, as Donnie said, every single thing that we do is a path leading somewhere we have asked to go, which means when we land there, that's the path we were headed. And then when we look around and say, why did this happen to me? Well, the answer is, that's the path we were on. That's why we ended up there. Now, I have had many of those incidents in my life where I ended up saying, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? Why did you allow this? And the reason was because that's the path I was on. And I ended up right where I was supposed to because that I was asking for that, those things that happened to me. Now, today, we're talking about some other moments. And I'm going to be honest here with you about this. I try to always be. I'm not sure that I have had many of these moments in my life that I'm going to be talking about today. But some of you this morning, some of you have had many of these moments in your life, or someone very close to you has experienced this. So, let's see. Moments. Maybe there has been a season in your life where you were following Jesus closely, and you were clearly on His path, not a path that was leading towards something that was going to be bad for you or for someone you love. You were on His path. But someone or something crossed your path that you were on, there was some kind of intersection there, and it left you, because they crossed your path, it left you wondering, where is God in all of this? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen? And then you may even be asking, how can I keep going after I have experienced that? Let me give you some ideas, because that may be a little foggy of what I'm talking about. Maybe, maybe there's some kind of illness. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about an illness that's the result of a poor lifestyle decision, a, a bad habit that you have. I'm not talking about an illness that is a direct result of something we are doing to our bodies. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an illness that is simply something maybe that is just in your DNA and you could not stop that illness from creeping up on you at some time in, in, your, in your life. And it rushes across your path and your life is forever changed because of that illness. Maybe, maybe it's a relationship. Someone that you did not choose to be in your life but you find yourself in some kind of relationship, whether it's with a, uh, a relative, you know, you don't ask for your relative, you've just got them. You got what you got. And maybe it's a relative, maybe someone in your family has hurt you, they have wounded you, you didn't ask for it, you didn't see it, and, and your life is forever changed because of that moment. Perhaps it's a coworker. There again, unless you're the boss, you don't get to pick your coworkers. And maybe their behavior of a specific coworker has impacted you in a negative way and you cannot escape from it because they're there every single day. And your life may be miserable at that connection there because of that coworker. Perhaps uh, in your life you have seen the death of a dear, dear family member. And you have been devastated and on an emotional journey since that time. Maybe you have uh, 
maybe you're even struggling with a family member who has made bad decisions for themselves and those decisions they have made are impacting you and you are forced to live with their choices. You're forced to stand by and watch them destroy themselves. Now, things like this, we can easily see that they they could leave us stranded and wondering, God, where are you in this and why did you allow this to happen? And you know, today we may not, probably won't be able to answer some of those big questions of God, why? Now we do have some series last year that could help answer that, but today we're not going to be able to answer those big questions of God, why? Why would you allow that? That was not my path, that was theirs. They have thrust that upon my life, and now I have consequences because of them. Now my life is different forever because of them, or because of that illness. Why, God? We're not going to answer that question this morning, but here's what we are going to do. This morning, just perhaps we can help you gain some perspective on that question. Just to gain maybe a new perspective on that very serious question. Now, last week, let me kind of catch you up where we were. Last week, we talked about this this nation called Israel and how God was their king, God was their leader, and he used a prophet, a priest to help, and at times judges to help guide the nation, but God was their king. Last week we told you that they came to this point in the, na- in the life of this nation where they said, we want a king. We want a king of our own, just like all the other nations have. Now, here's the deal. God wanted them to have a king. And it, a, a, a human, a man king, not just God himself. He wanted them to have, but, but he had a specific plan for that to happen. And it was not at that time. They were jumping the gun. And and God was like, okay, all right, you you want it, you're begging for it, you're asking, you're not going to let up here, you think you know what's best, when this needs to happen, okay, okay, I'll give you a king. I'll give you exactly what you asked for. And he gave them exactly what they asked for. Now, as often happens, our plans don't hold up when they are not God's plans. So Saul, who was the one that God said, okay, he can be your king. Well, Saul begins to fall apart. And we kind of picked that up just a little bit of last week. Um, and because he made some really bad decisions, Saul did, God said, I am taking this future kingdom away from you and your family. The, 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 the line of kings for Saul, it's going to end with you. It's not going to go to your son, to your family. I'm going to take that away. And so that's what God did. He took it away. And then God promises this young man, his name is David. He promises David, David, one day you are going to be king. Now here's the interesting thing. David was God's plan A. David was the king that God had planned for Israel. But when they begged God, God, give us a king. We want it now. He was like, now's not the time. We want it now. And so he said, okay, I'll give you one now. But David was the planned king from the very beginning. Interesting. Now, when Saul became king, David was not even born yet. He was not yet born. 
and they demanded to have a king. So David did not ask for Saul to be his king. He wasn't even around. He didn't ask for it. He wasn't involved in that at all. But suddenly, here's David, and now Saul, their paths cross. David's path crosses with Saul's path. Suddenly, they have a connection. And David will forever be changed because of it. Saul. After Saul blew it big time. And God said, I'm going to take this away. And he blew it. The first way he blew it really was there was this giant battle coming up. And and they had to have some sacrifices before they went out into battle. They were supposed to wait for the prophet, the priest, to come and do that. And Saul got antsy. And he was like, oh, we got to do it now. That army's huge. We got to do this now. So Saul did the sacrifices himself. And that was the moment, really, that God wrote Saul off. And he said, your, your kingship is going to be done with you. You are the end of it. I'm not going to pass it on to your family. And uh, that's when God had David anointed as the next king. Now, he was not yet king, but he would be king. He would rule, he would reign after Saul when Saul would eventually die. Now, Saul doesn't know that God has anointed this other guy, this kid, really, to be the next king. Saul doesn't really know this. He just knows that his his kingship is going to be over. He doesn't know what's really going on. Now, Saul had some moments where there was just some, some literal craziness going on in the mind of Saul. And, and it would get better when there was music playing. And so, They looked for a musician. They found a musician. Guess who they found? David. (laughs) This guy that was going to be the next king. Saul doesn't quite know it yet. They found David. David was an excellent musician. He was a shepherd. He was a warrior. He did quite a few things there. But they found David. They brought him into the court. So here is David now, the king's musician at this point. Now David is moving from the court of the king where he would play music for the king as the king needed it or wanted it. And then David would go home and he would tend the flocks and shepherd. And then he would come back to court and he would be at the king's court. So he was going at this stage of his life back and forth between the court and between home. This young man, David. Now let's pick up the story right now. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and we're going to start with verse 5. Here it goes. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. And this is starting to chap Saul's hide because everything David does, it seems to be going right. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war. Now, Saul's kind of doing this to kind of get him out of the way, get him out of his presence. Now we're going to find out why this is so kind of frustrating. Um, but this appointment that he made uh, is noted here. Uh, it was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. So everyone who came into contact with David loved David. They just loved him. They, 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 so whatever position he was in, the people around him lo- loved him, and that chapped Saul's hide even more. So he just seems like he couldn't get away from David. Now verse 6. So we're going to flash back and kind of see what was going on between Saul and David. Now remember, David was called in to play music when Saul would have uh, this emotional, um, quite literally a a, a mental breakdown 
mo- in different moments. And here's what, here's what happens. Uh, it says in verse 6, When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David killed the Philistine. Now that is hinting back to when David, with the slingshot, killed the nine-foot-tall Goliath. All right, That's what it's talking about. It says, the women from all the towns of Israel, so all the ladies came out. All the single ladies, they were coming out. All the women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. So this is pretty flattering. Here are all the women folk coming out, celebrating what had happened. It says, they sang and they danced with joy, with tambourines and cymbals. They were jamming. And the army was coming back, led by Saul. Saul's getting super excited about that. This is great. They love me. I love being loved. And then I just lost my sunglasses, which I don't need, by the way. Verse 7. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands. I'm not going to sing it for you. I'm not really familiar with the tune. Saul has killed his thousands. And David, his tens of thousands. And as soon as Saul got close enough to hear what was going on, he's not so excited anymore. He hears what they're saying. This is not good for Saul, what he's hearing, and certainly not good for his ego. Verse 8, this made Saul very angry, and he starts to, say, he starts to rant. What's this, he said. They credit David with 10,000s and me with only thousands. Next, they're going to be making him their king. And little did he know he was speaking the truth. Verse 9, so from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. So that is where all of this jealousy is coming from. Now, listen to this. Verse 10, the very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul. Now this is implying, this is, this is saying that God allowed an evil spirit to mess with Saul. That's what's happening. He allowed it. This was not something, this was not one of God's spirits. This was God allowing an evil spirit to go mess with Saul. And he began, it says it overwhelmed Saul, he began to rave in his house like a madman. So he's becoming irrational, he's acting kind of crazy, everyone knew what was going on, and he he was beginning to get violent, and nobody could help him, because, I mean, he's the king, so they can't really stop this from happening. And then it goes on, David was playing the harp, because that seemed to calm him down, it seemed to calm Saul down. He was playing the harp, as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand. And he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. Now David, David with his hands full of a musical instrument, a harp, he barely misses getting stabbed through and pinned to the wall. He just barely misses that. Barely misses being murdered by the king. Barely misses it. And it all happened at once. And then it said, but David escaped him twice. So that murderous attempt didn't happen just once. It happened twice. Now, can you imagine maybe what David is thinking here? I mean, David didn't want to be there. 
David was at home as a shepherd. That's what he wanted. He was just fine being a shepherd. David had no plans of his own to be part of this, this royalty and this kingdom. It, it, he, he, that was, Saul forced him to be a part. He was there only because Saul demanded it. And here is Saul on the edge of sanity. I can only imagine that David must be highly miserable and, and frightened, obviously, for his life. Possibly jumping at every strange noise. You see, in this moment, David is living his own real-life horror story. It involves demonic possession and insanity and violence. And Saul was realizing that he's not going to get ahead of all of this. Saul's realizing that. So here's what happened, verse 12. Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. You see, Saul was frightened because he had figured out that God had left him. He had left him and God was completely with David. And Saul had figured that out. Verse 13, finally Saul sent him, that's David, away and appointed him commander over a thousand men. You see, Saul, Saul couldn't win. He was so jealous of David, he couldn't win, so he just got him out of his sight, possibly even hoping that he might get killed in battle. And it says, and David faithfully led his troops into battle. Verse 14, David continued to succeed in everything he did for the Lord was with him. Verse 15, when Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. So here David becomes that commander. Now, David eventually has to leave being part of the army and the military. He had to leave that, and he had to actually, literally go hide from King Saul just so he could live because King Saul was now hunting David down with, with his military, being led by the king, hunting David down, trying to kill David. Now, while David is on the run, while he's hiding, while he's running, David is learning some really important things here. He's learning about loyalty. You see, David had become friends with King Saul's son, Jonathan, who was supposed to be next in line to be king, but not anymore. But David and Jonathan had become best of friends. And, and David was learning about loyalty, how even when someone is on the wrong path, you don't have to follow them on that path. You can choose another path, and that's what Jonathan was doing. And Jonathan was very loyal to David. David was learning about loyalty. David was also learning through this time he was hiding from Saul, from cave to cave, from valley to valley, hiding from Saul. He learned about strength. David is learning how not just to survive. David is learning how you can thrive even when life is rough and tough and horrible every single day. 
you can still thrive. You see, David did not crumple up into a frightened mess. David actually, during this time that Saul is hunting him down, David actually grew stronger. You know what else David learned? He, he, he learns about honor. How to honor those who are in power and those who are in authority over you, even if, in this case, even if they were emotionally unstable and manic and completely wrong. David learned how to honor King Saul, even though he was completely wrong. You know what else David learned during this time? David learned how to lead other strong men. He learned how to lead them. The mighty men. David learned how to lead them there. David learns about letting God take care of the future when you feel like life is out of control. Now listen to this. It sounds to me like David is learning so much during this time. And, and maybe, just maybe, 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 maybe God uses the craziness around us, allowing, actually, allowing craziness around us to teach. And in this case, to teach David, to prepare him, to grow him. Just perhaps, God is preparing David to be the king. You know, David actually has a chance to kill Saul. And he could have ended all of that misery. David had the opportunity to kill Saul. This horror story could have been all over at that moment. He had the opportunity. Now, it's... One of these days, in another series, we're going to teach you in detail about these two opportunities. David actually had two opportunities to kill Saul. I'm just going to mention them right now. Another series, we have more time, we'll talk in detail about these two episodes. But let me just tell you, he had two opportunities to kill Saul. Here's the first one. The Bible explains this scenario of how uh, King Saul had, had to go really bad. And when I say go, I mean he was looking... For the rest of room. And there weren't any. No portolettes, nothing. And so, you know, being the king and all, he's going to find the best place to go. So he looks and he finds this cave and he goes deep into the cave to go to the bathroom. This is the way the Bible describes it. I'm not trying to make this gross, even though I am a gross person. <laughs> I would love to make this super gross. I'm not. He goes into the, I might do it in the next series, that other series coming up someday. He, anyway, he goes in to do his kingly duties. And Saul, uh, uh, David and his men, uh, they're hiding in that cave. And so they're trapped. They're trapped between a rock and Saul's place. And while Saul's going to bat, he has the opportunity to kill Saul. And he thinks about it. He has the opportunity to kill Saul in that moment. And he, does, he makes a clear choice, not because he's frightened. He makes a clear choice. I am not going to kill the man that God has anointed as king 
of my people. And he didn't. He didn't kill him. He had the opportunity. He didn't do it. There was a second one. Uh, another opportunity. Uh, Saul and his men, again, hunting for David. They were camping one night. You know, they had to sleep. They stopped, they camped, and David was very near. And he waits till they go to sleep, and David and his men, they sneak into the camp, and they take Saul's sword, and they go back to the edge, and they, and they hide out again. And they tried, his men tried to convince him, hey, let's kill Saul while we have him. We can end all of this misery right now. We can end it. And David refused to kill the man that God had anointed as king over the people. Even though David had been anointed as the next king, he could have killed Saul and then kind of rushed that in. He wouldn't do it. He said, I'm not going to do it. God is going to take care of my future. I don't have to do this. And it may be miserable right now. I don't have to do this. And he didn't do it. David was learning so much. And in fact, David dealt with Saul and Saul's deadly craziness for about 30 years. That's how long he put up with it. And don't you imagine that David cried out to God and said, God, why me? I mean, I could be at home with family. Why am I running? Why, God, do I deserve this? God, what is going on? that I should be so mistreated. God, why don't you use your power? If you have created this earth, certainly you are powerful enough to make this stop. Why don't you just make this better, God? But as you look at David, you notice something. You notice, you notice a new perspective on this. You see, even though David did not cause this horror story in his life, this was thrust upon David. He didn't ask for it. He didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it in any way. He simply was here because Saul's path crossed with David's path. Now look at David's life. Look at where David started. And look at what David became. And it seems to me, it seems to me we transform more through tough times than tender times. In fact, this is even true of Jesus. It was Jesus himself who knelt in the garden hours before he would die. And Jesus, who is God, was praying to the Father, who is God. My mind can't comprehend that, but that's what was happening. Jesus knelt down and he prayed this in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup. What kind of cup was it? Not just a cup of suffering. It was a cup of God's wrath. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, Jesus said, 
not my will, but yours be done. We transform more through tough times than we do tender times. And somehow, if we walk with our Father, our perspective can change. And we can say, God, if you can bring me to this, you will walk me through this. God, even if you did not cause this mess that I'm having to live through, if you simply allowed this to interrupt my life, then you, God, my Father, will be right with me as I walk through this mess. And, God, if you will walk with me through this, you will work in me through it. God, you will change me. God, you will grow me. You will rearrange me. You will perfect me in some way. Okay, God, okay. Then let's go. I'm with you. You see, I really, really believe that God can use any, any kind of trouble to perfect you. Any kind of trouble. In fact, I believe it's actually the norm because we transform through tough times more than through tender times. It's simply the truth. And we find this truth throughout the Old Testament and we find it throughout the New Testament. In fact, in the New Testament, listen to this, this perspective, this same perspective. James, possibly the first New Testament book ever written. James, chapter 1, listen, starting with verse 2. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it, that means change your thinking about this trouble, consider it an opportunity to complain. Now he said, change your mind on this. When the trouble hits you, consider it an opportunity for great joy. This is exactly what David did for his 30 years as he was involved with Saul. Verse 3, 4, you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. In other words, as God is walking you through this, He's also working in you as you go through this with Him. Something is changing. Verse 4, so let it grow. He says, don't fight it. Don't sit in misery and complain. Don't run your life complaining. Don't blast it on Facebook about how angry you are with everyone around you. He said, let it grow. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and needing nothing. That's good news. Let me give you the bad news. 
that's not going to be finished till Jesus comes back. So we got a while to let it grow. But James says, don't fight it. Don't sit in misery wondering, God, why have you allowed this to happen? He says, if it is because someone has crossed your path, and the only reason you're suffering is because this thing or this person has crossed your path, it was not a path you walked down, you chose, it's not a result of your decisions. This is something that just happens in life. He said, listen, let it grow. If God has brought you to this thing, allowed these paths to cross, He said He's going to walk you through it. And if God will walk you through it, He will change, transform, rearrange you through it. And James says, so let it grow. Let it grow. This week, here's what we're asking you to do. Maybe you are not in a scenario right now in your life where your path has crossed with something like that, an illness. Or your path has crossed with a person that you did not ask for and they have thrust this mess into your life and you didn't ask for it. Maybe you're not in that situation right now. Maybe you are, and this applies, but maybe you're not. But God wants to prepare you mentally right here from the neck up. He wants to get you ready for this, to change your perspective, to say this. When it happens, understand this. We transform more through tough times than tender times. And here's what we would ask you to do this week. Would you devour two of the Psalms this week. In fact, these two Psalms were written by David regarding his persecution from Saul. And he wrote these two Psalms. Here's the first one, Psalm 31. Will you devour Psalm 31 this week? Here's the second one, Psalm 64. Will you devour those two Psalms this week? Just take them in and just absorb and see the frustration and the anger and the rejection and the dejection that, that, that David was facing. But then the understanding, God, you are in control of my future. Change me through this. Transform me through this. I'm yours. Will you devour that this week? And here's the second thing I'm going to ask you to do. Some of you may, may do this. Here's what it is. We, ha we have a couple of books at Guest Connections. These have been gently pre-used, pre-owned books. And we did this so that we could get these for $5 each. That's right at what they cost. We're not trying to, obviously, none of our books we try to make money on. We sell you the books for what they cost us. $5 each, they have been gently pre-loved. So you might find one that's been to our dearest grandson graduating 
high school. I, I, you, you'll find some things. In it. You may find one that has some notes in it. We just want you to have the information. Here are these two books. And here there's a part one and there's a volume two. This one does not say part one. It just is. And then there's a volume two. It says volume two. Let me tell you what is contained in these two books. These books are full of lives of people who did not ask for what was happening to them. And they had the attitude of this. Understanding that we transform through tough times more than tender times. And these are full of tough times. And it will help us put into perspective our tough times. And if they can have this attitude through what they faced and the death of many that they faced in these books, the deaths of those in this, these books, if they can have that attitude in the face of death, then certainly we could have that attitude in the face of our boss or our family member or the illness that we are facing. Because we transform. God does this. God will transform us more through tough times than tender times. So for those who want to take it to the next level, stop by. $5 per book. Just get one. You don't have to get them both. Just get one. I don't have enough for everybody. Obviously, we, we just have a couple of stacks of them. Not everybody's going to want to do that. But we are asking everyone, will you devour Psalm 31? Will you devour Psalm 64? And then here's the last thing. Will you pick up as you leave today, just like it's going to be on the end of the, the, the partition you walk around. Will you pick this up? And we have this verse for you, the one I just read to you in James. We have that for you. Will you devour that verse this week? And say, God, if, if you allow this mess to go on around me, and if, I, if you bring me to this mess, then certainly, God, I believe that you are going to walk with me through it. And if you walk through this junk, then, God, I believe you will work in me through it as well. Let's pray. God, it can be so troubling to think of the reality that we really do transform more through tough times than tender times because, God, our entire American culture is driven to push us towards comfort times. But, God, Your Word tells us that even when the mess of life that we did not ask for happens to us, when troubles of any kind come our way, that we can change our thinking with Your help and not run from it and not just sit and cuss at it, but we can actually consider it an opportunity for great joy because You can do something inside of us that could not happen when we are comfortable when we are in a tender time. Something has a chance to grow inside of us that won't grow at other times. So God help us to let it grow.